All right. Let's see if this works. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Cantina MX Football Podcast. Tonight, we will be going over the international break and some predictions for repechaje for Ligia. Before I go any further, I want to shout out to all of our listeners in over 10 countries. Thank you guys for your support. Anyways, let's go to our panel. Joining us tonight, Joel and Chiquis. How are you gentlemen doing tonight? Hola. Doing good, guys. How are you guys doing? Same. Getting ready for a third massive lockdown. What the? Code purple. Let's go, <laughs> baby. You guys need to move. <laughs> yeah, well, it's unfortunate, but it is flu season, and uh, we're shutting everything down again, but I just hope everyone's safe out there. Wash your filthy paws and wear your mask out in public. Or just don't obey and risk the run the risk of getting uh, put into the paddy wagon. <laughs> So, today was a special day. Mexico played Japan, and they continue their impressive streak as of today. Tata Martino at the realm has played 22 games. He's won 19 games, has only lost one, and has drawn two. And he's only conceded 21 goals, and Mexico has scored 58 Averaging 62.3% average possession. Not bad, guys. Not bad. Uh, I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to... I don't want to think too much of it so far. No, I'm not fully bought into the whole Tata. The, uh, it's been like... I guess these past two games were like different halves. The first game against Korea was a uh, not too good first half, and then they came back on the second. Um, so there's some there's some you know some, there's some holes. I'm gl- I'm glad to see Raúl though uh, get some good goals. We'll, we'll get into Raúl in a second. Yeah. Well, my my two pesos on this. We we talked about this actually, Jaime, and we compared. Remember, we were comparing. His start with Osorio's start. Now there's talk on how Tata actually does more rotaciones than Osorio. And no one says a thing. Mm. Uh, and I think and if that's, you know, there's truth to that, I'll say it's because Tata's, Tata comes across as being a bit more humble in Osorio with this whole, I, I guess he would turn people off. He would have this sort of intellectual talk. Uh that's that's my guess. But no, we, we talked about how, you know, we've seen Mex going in with these just really good run of results. Uh, and then before Osorio even, even um, 
Chepo, Chepo de la Torre had really good, a really good record, which was up until a point even better than Osorio's. Not by much, but it was. Um, then it falls apart during the hexagonal, and Osorio's falls apart during during the Copa America centenario with that, that devastating loss against Chile. So um, I think it's the same thing right now with, with Tata. It's, it's good, but I think like like Chiquis, like Brother Chiquis, I'm a whole judgment until Max plays in one of these top tournaments. And then we we see finally what, you know, what, what he's been working towards. Because um, seeing the region and seeing what are going to be the rivals, uh, it looks like Mexico could qualify just by showing up. Qualify to the World Cup, that is. I agree. Uh, before we go any further, for those that are listening, just to recap what happened, Mexico played Korea, South Korea, on Saturday. They beat they beat them 3-2, and like uh, Chiki's mentioned, a very misleading scoreline because Mexico in the first half was terrible, and they were actually losing 1-0, but in the second half, in the minute 67, 69, and 70, they scored three goals to really flip the script on South Korea, and they ended up winning 3-2. Um, I was I recorded the game because I, I wasn't able to watch it live, and uh, I was playing it back, dude, and I blinked, and they had they they scored three goals like in a matter of seconds. It was it was crazy. It was it was incredible, and uh, it and and like you mentioned with the with the substitutions, it, the subs mattered. You know they they changed the game in the second half. And a similar storyline tonight against Korea, uh, sorry, against Japan. Uh, they weren't playing that well. Uh, Japan was doing an incredible job with the high press, really forcing a lot of mistakes. And it was a frustrating first half to watch. Um, but in the second half, with all the fog and, and, and not being able to see the ball very well, uh, they were able to get a two-goal uh, victory over Japan. And uh, they just keep on winning. Let's, let me uh okay. Let's just look at two twenty twenty. You got a win against Guatemala, not impressive. You have a one zero, sort of a surprising win against Holland. You can it's a friendly, so you can I guess partially give that some credit to Mexico to Tata. And you got a two two tie to Algeria. Uh, come from behind, sort of win against Korea, and then a win against Japan. So nothing really too spectacular, at least in this year. And then you can go to last year, and the highlight from last year, I guess, was Argentina spanking Mexico 4-0. Yep. So, and... I mean, like Hoa said, we got to wait till we get to some type of tournament, which should be coming up next year. And I agree. I was actually looking at uh, Juan Carlos Cambios Osorio's uh, results, you know, because Tata has played 22 games. And Mexico had a similar thing where they won most of their fixtures out of 22 games. They lost twice, the 7-0 against Chile and then the 2-1 against Croatia. Um, just, apart from those fixtures, every other game was a was a victory or a draw for Mexico. So uh, like Joel said, you know, these are a little bit misleading stats, you know. 
But I do agree in the fact that Tata Martino has a little bit more credibility, you know, because he did coach Barcelona and he's not as, uh, I don't know if it's arrogance or it's just the personality, you know, the, the thing about the Mexican job that people don't really consider is the fact that you have to learn how to work with the media. You know what I mean? And if you come off as a little bit abrasive, then they're going to throw it right back at you. And I think like Tata has just been an easygoing guy and he hasn't been as criticized as uh, Osorio was. I think he's got, he's got, well, I think Osorio, he was looking for that clout. He was searching for the clout, man. He was wanting to be seen with his little notepad, with his pen and his socks or whatever, and uh, putting out, <laughs> putting out the cones. Yeah. And he wanted to be he seen was as a genius. He was, he was wanting the springboard. He wanted to be seen as a genius. And Tata, I mean, he's Argentinian. He, he, even though he played, I mean, he coached, you know, Argentina, Barcelona, and then he went to MLS and stuff. He, he, he don't care. He doesn't have that, like, ambition. He's just, like, trying to do his best. He's not trying to bounce to, you know, he's been to some pretty good places. So he's not on that level of, like, trying to springboard like, uh, like Osorio was. And, so he's well, you, and you, know, you know what, Chiquis, and on that note, also the press, like, because a big part of it when JCO was coach was the press did challenge his credentials where mm-hmm. they felt they felt he wasn't the right coach or that Max could have done better and he just hadn't it just wasn't seemed that impressive and he had been in Max before with Puebla and it did not go too well. And you you could say he was doing okay in Brazil, but you know that's not a reason to, you know, to hand over a, a selection just because you're doing okay, you know? And I think that's the major difference when you look at Tata and he he was at MLS, but he won. He he won the the league. Uh, he didn't win at Barca, but he did finish. I think it was two runner-ups, right? Um, like, se quedó, se quedó. It, it was short. Uh, I think he was like in second place, and then, uh, but then, and then you know, having coached Argentina national team, so you know, it's 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 the opposite. It could be seen as a step down, and that's that's a big, <laughs> you know, yeah. Not not to talk shit, but you know, it's it's, you know, when when we when we play the I Niveles card, so as so the press is a bit more difficult to come at him when he's been already, you know, when when he's he's been at the top of 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 the teams you could coach. He's already, you know, he's been at the mountaintop. So, and like and like you say, Chiquis, he's not trying to springboard anywhere. He's already been over there, uh, been there, done that. So I I think that that takes pressure from him because he's not. He's not trying to convince anyone. He's just doing his job. And I think that's ultimately, I think that's going to help him. But yeah, I think JCO, I didn't really like the guy, but I, I, I admire a lot of the stuff he did. And uh, just seemed a bit bad luck. <laughs> some, of, some of the things went wrong for him. I was looking, he, I was looking up Tata's uh, stats. You know, he did coach Barcelona and then, went on to coach Argentina, which 
in my opinion, like once you coach those two big names, everything else is, is a walk in the park. And you can see why he ended up going to the MLS after that, kind of just to have, I don't know, maybe find passion back in the coaching job again without having the, uh, the criticism and the, the hate. Cause I mean, yeah. co- coaching yeah. part, I want to say coaching Argentina is, is, is a more intensive job than coaching Barcelona. Cause the passion in Argentina is insane. The scrutiny is, is. is, is at a but high level. It's, with the difference being that, you know, it's the Barca's the day-to-day because you're doing the whole league. As with the Selección, you know, you, you'll go a couple months where you could just hide. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no games. Well, so there was no... They'll forget about you for a bit. There was no hiding from the fact that Argentina was runner-up back-to-back under him in 2015 and 2016 in Copa America. Um, and I remember those cups very vividly because Messi in, in one of them said, I'm done. You know, I retire from the national team. Like it was that bad. Um, one thing to keep in mind though, when he was coaching, uh, I believe Paraguay, he did face Japan three times, wasn't able to beat them. And so this is his first victory against Japan. And, uh, I mean, that's something to say, right? Yeah, he learned. <laughs> he learned. That must be frustrating, though. Um, just being so close, you know, uh, winning, winning titles with the big teams, and so that that must have been a bit of a, you know, a thorn on the side. Just you know, so close yet so far. Meanwhile, with Raul's goal tonight, that puts it at number 26. And uh, he is halfway to Chicharito's number. And uh, he's been at the Selección since 2013. And uh, I hate to say it, man. I mean, he's had a lot of games. He's He's got over 80 caps. And I'm just unimpressed with his numbers. Yeah, I feel that as fans, we com- we compare, we like we expect. I would say expectations. Expectations are him to match what he does at Wolves, and it's he's not close to that, to that, you know, to to being like that, that gold machine he is in the EPL. Uh, I don't know. It could be a lot of factors. Same thing happened with Hugo Sanchez. He was not. You know, if you see how he was with Real Madrid and then with Max Selección, it was just very different, you know. I don't know. I don't know if you you guys follow Wolves um, like in depth, but it seems to me with Mexico, he's not the he's not the sole goal scorer. Mexico doesn't rely on him only. Because you have Chucky, even uh, Antuna scored. You have Tecatito. Um, so you have other goal scorers that can, you know, that can do the job. Where you don't really need Raúl as like your main dude. And I don't know if Wolves, that's the case where Raúl is like the, he's the only guy in the middle. If anyone's going to score, it's going to be him. And I guess he's been fortunate. Also, he's been in the right place at the right time with a lot of his Wolves goals. Um, but I mean, he has, he has. He hasn't like unimpressed me. He hasn't like gone in the negative in these past two games. Um, he was in the right place and was able to get that one 
um, like target yeah. target goal. So, so so that was that was a good thing to see. Uh, Chucky was had an impressive shot. It was just typical like run. And I, I'm I'm liking. Uh, I think uh, Pizarro had the assist on there. And uh, I'm liking Pizarro and also uh, Orbelin. He's been impressing me with his passing. I think he got a an assist in the uh, Korea game. So uh, those two guys have been sort of impressive. But it was good to see uh, like a mixture of goals from from uh, Chucky and Raul. And then I think uh, uh, who's the guy? Who's the defender that scored today? So you have a mixture of of people. Uh, I think you're talking about Salcedo against Korea. Yeah. Yeah, Salcedo scored. Salcedo got his little slap in goal. So that's. I I think I like the way that uh, I don't know if this is the intention of Tata, but like everyone's involved in the system. I will say I think it was the Korea game. Um, they got totally. I think it was the first goal. They got totally schooled from. It was like a a work of art, the way they just uh passed it and they they did depart it from like midfield and and the guy ran down the left side and then and then passed it in for the for the goal i think the defense was a little bit off uh gallardo wasn't covering the dude they just let the guy um, alone in the middle and and then they got the score and then i saw a lot of hype for that raul uh, oh that's a different goal he, so he scored twice yeah, he the scored goal the Raul goal where he like sort of slapped it with the back of his uh, with the side of his foot, the outer side of his foot. That was tonight. Yep. It wasn't like it was. It was nice, but it wasn't. It was there was some fortune there because when he took the the pass initially, he tried to do something with his right foot, um, but it ended up bouncing wrong. Um, but he still had control and was able to take it in. So it was sort of a he was sort of like fumbling about. But he still, you know, he still controlled it at the end and was able to do that nice. It was it was a tough angle to score from. I'm actually impressed on how he was able to pull that off with with three toes, because he did hit it on the outside of his foot and it just happened to hit the corner, and the goalkeeper just agony. You could see it in his eyes after he got. Yeah. He's like, ah, because it was close. It was within yeah. his reach. That was a tough angle. But the fact of the matter is, again. He has half the amount of goals as Chicharito, and he's at the helm. I mean, this is the guy to beat right now is Raul Jimenez. There's no other striker in Mexico that is better than Raul Jimenez. And for him to be, you know, the main guy, I'm just unimpressed. He is getting his goals, but I don't know, man. I mean, I'm talking about, like, going into a World Cup. Is this the guy that you want to rely on? Probably not. Like you mentioned, Chiquis, I think we're going to get goals from our wingers and from other people participating in the attack. But I don't know, man. I, I kind of yeah, hope that we can get some competition up there because as of right now, it's a sleep, uh, steep curve, like whoever's next. Like it, it goes from like Raul Jimenez to like, I don't know, like a Henry Martin or a Polido, and that's not good. JJ Mack is still there. I think uh, Tata is saving them for the... Olympics, and then he will unleash him into the national team. Well, he's got to get healthy first. He's been going downhill uh, recently, though. Oh, come on, Chiquis. He's still putting in goals. They even got him him the the nickname JJ Messias. (laughs) He (laughs) he misses all the goals, man. Hey, but he still has like six goals, (laughs) which is... I think he he sealed his... He sealed it that he's not going to go to Europe, pretty much. So, 
have fun in Mexico. I wouldn't no, go. I wouldn't go on. that far. I, uh, we will get into Macias and Chivas a little bit later, but one thing that I, I have to just point out is, thank God we have San Memo Ochoa because he had a tremendous game tonight against Japan. We did have Hugo Gonzalez against Korea, and you know, he had a he just had a terrible night. I I don't think Hugo Gonzalez is is selection material, and and tonight Ochoa showed why he's still our best goalkeeper, and, and I just hope he stays healthy so we can have him in Qatar for 2022. And he and he did it. He did it surrounded by the fog of war. Yes, sir. Yeah, it must have been difficult to see with um, hella foggy. <laughs> I was reading some of the comments on the highlights tonight, and it's like, por más que limpio el celular, no le quito lo empaño. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the second half was foggy as hell. They had to change out the ball for a bright orange one. And uh, I was trying to watch Chucky score the goal, and I'm like, I don't even know what happened, bro. All I know is the ball ended in the back of the net. <laughs> but here's the criticism that Ochoa gets is like I don't understand why he's such a great goalkeeper for the national team but when it comes to club he sucks <laughs> well gets more games you know he clubs you see him playing week in week in week out so just right there uh, more chances to see him mess up. At Selección, is just every other month. And most often than not, you know, he's he's on it. Uh, and he's he's bound to have a pretty good defense, you know. Way better than he, than he has, like, at, at club levels. Because these are, you know, for the most part, you know, if it's, if it's the main team. So I think... Those are some of the factors where, where um, that end up helping. He was he was the the, the um he was the keeper for the for the Chile massacre, right? Yes, sir. Oh man, see, so I mean, <laughs> he's, he's been at he's been at the other end as well, but he's he's such a you know like polarizing player where and he does he does these these epic saves that. That's what we end up remembering the most. You know, as as Mexico fans, we're more likely to remember the, you know, the tajada and the one-on-ones and all that. So going into the World Cup qualifiers, there were some other countries that had action over this international break. USA, uh, they beat Wales 0-0. <laughs> and then they uh they tie uh sorry they beat uh Panama today 6-2 and and then we had Costa Rica who lost to Basque country and me and Joel before the show were trying to look up like what what is that what even is that <laughs> um northern region of Spain and I guess they have like a what national it's not a national team cuz they're not independent but that's the Vascos. It's like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Hawaii, but it's like the uh, Texas. Like you mess with Texas, Texas will secede and make its own country. That's the Vascos <laughs> of Spain. They're, yeah. they're, they'll, they'll make their own country if you mess with them. Well, well the Basque, the Basque, because they retained like their identity. So 
they consider themselves separate, but they're still under Spanish rule. Same with uh, in Barcelona, uh, the Catalans and and the you know the Catalanes, and they still have their own flag, and they even have like their own national team. But it's it's like uh, you know it's it's they they don't compete. I don't think they're part of FIFA or they compete in any any type of uh tournaments like that. They'll play friendly games. And I think in it, it's just, just here and there where they managed to get games. Um I guess they got one with Costa Rica and that's Yeah. Costa Rica did hold their own against Qatar. Uh they did have a one one draw with them. And then also Jamaica was able to beat Saudi Arabia two one. They lost the they they played them twice. Mm. So they lost the first game three zero and they bounced back to win. Uh but not not impressed, I mean not impressed with what I'm seeing. Uh although I am happy for Guate. They beat Honduras. Honduras was you know, their fans were like saying they wanted a better opponent. Uh-huh. And they ended up getting smacked across the head. But that's a team that <laughs> That's like they, they they were like bankrupt, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, it's just you you want to see some of these teams. I felt they dropped the ball, you know, like like the Guate, El Salvador, some of these teams, and then you end up seeing like Panama that in the past years um just came up and was one of the challenging teams, and it seems like their generation they had where they had to. Like the Deli Valdez and, and all these other Baloy and all these other, you know, pretty good players. Seems like that generation already aged out, and their younger guys just I don't I don't they might not be at that level, and uh, they already got washed by the U.S. It was six two right? That's right, six two against uh, Panama, and uh, they redeemed themselves from a draw against Wales. But this should be a pretty easy qualification for Mexico. I don't really see anybody stepping up and giving us any trouble. The, you... the hardest thing for Tata will be motivating the team. I think that's that's going to be his his most difficult task. Uh, you know, keep those guys level headed. Because cause I still think if it goes to their head, you know, where they think, all right. It's it's a walk in the park where they might, you know, that's that's always a risk. But as long as they're, you know, they maintain, which I'm pretty sure they will. I think they'll be yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. I don't see, I don't see much struggles. And that, I don't know, man. I don't know if that's going to affect. Because, uh, cause, you know, remember with, with, with La Volpe, same thing. He... When La Volpe was coach, and uh, that's the whole phrase "pasamos caminando," and and it was, yeah, the opponents were weak. Uh, it's every now and then you 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 will have a tough, a tough uh, group, but it just this is not gonna be it. Uh, just like back then, it wasn't. You know which one was more scary when uh, Sven was coach? Yeah. 
2010. Yeah, man, that's Max almost didn't even make it to the hex. That's right. It took a goal from El Oso Polar to uh, keep keep Mexico in the fight. Yeah, we've had some scary scenarios in the past, but uh, I think the, uh, the trajectory we're going with uh, Tata Martino is very similar to Osorio, where we're going to go into into this, you know, caminando. Uh, I mean, I do hope that alongside us, Canada will qualify because they do have some some talented players and be nice to see Canada in a world but, cup. But don't you think they're dropping the ball? I mean, I don't see them in the international friendlies. What are these guys doing, man? Who? I mean, I mean, Canada, they, I, I didn't see them have any games in the, in this, you know, I don't know if they're just being safe. I mean, if, if Oscaldi can, can get a game, you know, I, you would think Canada could manage something. You know, there's yeah, I'm I'm hope. coming up with nothing right now. Um, and to be fair, you know, I I understand them being precautious. This was overall, I think, in some ways, a disaster for a lot of players because, uh, at least with Korea, seven other players tested positive for COVID. Um, and then also with the international break. Um, Chivas uh, bar- let the Selección under-23 borrow some of their players, and they came back with, uh, <laughs> with some accidents. Uh, Alexis Vega oh. will be out for four to six weeks. Uh, looks like some player from Cruz Azul took Wait, him what? out. Wait, 46 weeks? Four to six weeks. Oh, I thought you said 46. No. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> no, that's a... Damn. <laughs> Okay, that's not that bad. It's like two months. Two months. He he could he could do the um the Chivas the Chivas. I don't know. They still have that E League when they were playing the <laughs> the FIFA game. They're gonna be playing FIFA. Yeah, he could take over those duties. So yeah, we are heading into Repechaje. We finally have dates and times for these upcoming fixtures. There's eight teams. Uh, there's four games. And uh, I guess we can start with Santos and Pachuca. They're going to kick off things on Saturday at, at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. That one's uh, basically a coin flip. Nothing much to divide those two teams uh, between Santos and, and, and Pachuca. Yeah, tough call right there. Um, they where do they open at? Um, yeah, where's the, the first match? Yeah, they are the first match. No, where where is it? It's gonna be uh, a... in uh, Torreon. La Comarca Lagunera. Okay. Okay, then uh, usually usually you with teams like that, the closing team usually has a slight. Slight advantage if you could close at home. Uh, there is that whole thing now where it's like empty stadium. Right. And I don't know if that's, the Tusos are going to be allowed to have. But even even at what, like 50% capacity? I, I don't know if that's a thing. Um, I don't know if they're like going to allow fans to, to be partaking in these Liga fixtures. As of what I understood, it was just Mazatlan and Necaxa, but I don't know if they've actually... Opened it up for everybody else. 
Um, what I will say, though, is these two teams played each other just three fixtures ago, and they tied 1-1. So, like I mentioned, it's basically a coin flip. There's not really much uh, between them. And even uh, Apertura of last season, they tied 2-2. So, I mean, <laughs> it can go to anybody. Uh, but I agree with you. I, I will definitely give the home team the uh, the advantage. And in this case, it will be Santos. And then, Wait, hold on. Is this a uh, ida y vuelta? No, this is okay, a single game elimination match. Oh, and that's if, good. And if I'm not mistaken, oh, it goes straight into penalties if they tie in regular time. So there's no overtime. It's just penalty shootout. Okay. Oh, thank you. I'm talking about Pachuca having the the slight. So then it, it Santos should have it then. Yeah. They're at home. Yeah, so slight advantage. I'll give them the slight advantage to Santos. Right after that match, we are going to have Guadalajara versus Necaxa. Like I mentioned, um, Alexis Vega out for four to six weeks, arguably Chivas' best player. That's quite unfortunate. It got to the point where even Pelaez is looking to, I don't know, try and sue the player or demand that he gets like suspended for the rest of the season. Like it's that serious. Like they are very upset that this happened. And uh it, it makes you not want to let the selection borrow your players. Well Belias, I, I like the guy, but he sounded salty and it's like <laughs> it it was a Cruz Azul player that injured him and he wanted to to have that guy suspended. But it's it's part of the it's game. It's not like it's not, yeah, but it was it was like friendly. It wasn't like a friendly. It was like a, you know, it wasn't like league. It didn't happen during like a league, during league play. So, it, I don't think that's that's something you could do. You know, it's like basically because you did something at a cascarita, they're gonna suspend you from World Cup qualifying, something like that. You know, so. But I, I think uh, I think he's just doing it to kind of I don't know I, I I know he has other motives, but whatever whoever Nakaksa was praying to man they answered their prayers because yeah they would want to face Chivas with their two best strikers not not available. I'll say this about the Alexis Vega injury: it's part of the game. You can't really protect your players and stuff. I will say though, that it was, it's kind of stupid to like, you know, keep your players, what warm or active or in shape between these international breaks. It was, it wasn't that much of a break, you know, it was only 10 days and it's so silly to like put your player at risk going into like uh, an, an elimination game. And also all uh, I, I, I will, I do understand where Belas is coming from, like being upset about the player because this is, at the end of the day, a friendly. This wasn't a match that was going to make or break like that team's like trajectory. And to go into that tackle is just unnecessary. It's a friendly game. You don't have to go out and take them out, man. Like, just you know, it's a friendly match. There's no need for that kind of malicious tackle. So I, I understand both sides, but I, I do I do think that. When you're going into a game that's a friendly, I think you should just be mindful of like, hey, 
at the end of the day, bro, you're a human being, you know, don't fuck up his career. Well, but and on Chivas part, I I do think they they should have just not not allowed the players to go. Yeah. Uh, seeing seeing all the stuff Chivas has been going through and how they eighty sixth four players and just just all this all this this madre surrounding the team and and you got this big match coming up, you're like no way, man. We're we're you know yeah. We're we're close for repairs. Just, just <laughs> no, just no, man. Uh, no means no, and and that's it. And I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why they agreed. I I, I I I don't know if if it was mandatory. Uh, but yeah, they should have they should have uh, made a stronger case. And if I have to give a mark. A negative mark to Pelaez, that would be right there, you know. Mm-hmm. He should have, he should have done more to protect, to protect us, you know, these players. Now, now the team is in a just weak position, man. Yes, and the other player, like you mentioned, Macias will also be out for this game. He's got a muscle uh, injury, so he will not be back in time for the game against Nagaxa. And all of a sudden, what seemed to be, I don't know, not an easy match for, for Chivas because the last time these two faced, it wasn't sort of a goal and stoppage that uh, Chivas needed to win the game. Now this is more of a neutral game. And if anything, this might be a, a good opportunity for Nagaxa to get an upset. I don't know. Is it how much of an upset can it be? <laughs> I mean, you, you, you. I mean, you know, not, not, not to bring down the goats, but man, they. This is a team that had missed five straight liguillas. So true. You know, it's. it's uh, but but know, I, the name weighs. It does. It does. It will be. It will get like, it will get like uh, presented as such. Yeah, I think that, like you mentioned in the earlier podcast, like uh, it was considered a success for Chivas to qualify for Ligia and to end up at least in the top eight, regardless of like you know this being expanded to twelve teams. Now, it was important that Chivas finished in a respectable position. And it kind of seemed, especially after beating Monterrey, who are you know a contender and are a very dangerous team, though in the in the way in the manner of way of how we defeated Monterrey three one at home, it just felt like okay, this is the spark that we needed to to carry on to Liguilla and uh, maybe you know upset some some teams. Necaxa was going to be sort of a warm up match. And then we were probably going to go on to play like a, you know, a Monterrey, America. Actually, I think it was America um, was going to be the next team in the bracket after this. So it's like it kind of felt like, all right, we have something to aspire to. But now with all these players being out of commission on top of like the players that have been banned from the team, it kind of just feels like, well, better luck next year. Damn. See, I have a. Uh pretty sad here in 
um, stats for fellow goats. So in the last 10 years, going back to Clausura 2008, uh, the last 10 years, which will be 24 leagues since it's two, <clears throat> uh, Chivas has not qualified 15 times. Wow. So, so I'm going to go real quick. Clausura 208, they were eliminated by Monterrey in quarterfinals. So basically the first round. Uh, 2008, Apertura didn't qualify. Clausura 2009, they didn't qualify. Apertura 2009, they didn't qualify. 2010, uh, Eliminated by Morelia in semifinals. Uh, and then the following tournament, Apertura 2010, they don't qualify. Uh, Clausura 2011, they make it to the semis. Uh, they're eliminated by Pumas. And then Apertura 2011, they get eliminated by Querétaro in the first round of Liguilla. Oh, I remember that one. Uh, Clausura 2012, they didn't qualify. Apertura 2012, eliminated by Toluca in the first round of qualifying. I mean, of Liguilla, not a qualified. Uh. So, Clausura 2013, no Liguilla. Apertura 2013, no Liguilla. Clausura 2014, no Liguilla. Apertura 2014, no Liguilla again. Four. That's four in a row, man. Uh, and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then Clausura 2015. That was with my boy Chepo in the helm. They make it to the semis against Santos. They put him. In comes Mati. Apertura 2015. They don't qualify. Clausura 2016. Eliminated by America in the first round of Liguilla. Apertura 2016, eliminated by America again in the first round. At this point, I would rather not qualify. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I remember uh, that, man. Back to back against America. Finally, Clausura 2017, they lift, they lift the, the cup. So they win. They win the big, the league. Clausura 2017, they win the league. Uh, and, and, you know, seeing how abysmal it had been, we could see why why um, just Mati got so much praise, you know. Uh, a lot of these fans had just been used to a lot of, a lot of negative results. But then after that, Apertura 2017, no Liguilla. Clausura 2018, no Liguilla. Apertura 2018, no Liguilla. Clausura 2019, no Liguilla. And then the Apertura 2019, again, no Liguilla. So that was five in a row. Ah, oh, man. That's, I mean, that was like, and so I, that's why a big reason why I was saying that the team finishing, I think they finished in seventh. Yep. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a good sign because, uh, you know, they didn't have to, you know, they didn't need that 12th place stimulus. 
pump to get in there and and <laughs> we they, didn't need help they managed yeah yeah they, if it would have been a regular liguilla they would have they would have still qualified so it's it's a good it's a good sign and and if they do get bounced out by Nicaxa, i mean it's just tough luck at that point just because of some of the stuff that's been going on and then the injuries but but at least we know the team's in the right path and then for so for the next season they should be better prepared and and we could expect Ligia and, and at that point it's like already the team's being more consistent in qualifying so you have to at least be consistent in that point before you could think of challenging for the cup but um for the championship I should say so I wouldn't I wouldn't be butt hurt you know Lost to Nakaksa, it's, it's it's all right. I, I'm not, you know. I know what the goal is, man. The end goal is it will be to be campeón again. And um, as long as the team stays on track, I do feel they will achieve it. I will say that you reading off like the rap sheet like that really gives perspective to what it actually has been the reality. And and the reality is that Chivas have been a mediocre side, and they appear <laughs> they appear once a decade. You know they get their their one trophy every decade, and then they go back into obscurity. Um, yeah, and yeah. Then compared, you know, like if you look at Santos, and and even like Pachuca in, in the past years, and how they've been. So these guys are have been more consistent and challenged for it uh, more often. I think when Chihuahua's though, if they have any saving grace, was, uh, you know, that they did get to uh, Libertadores final. And that was huge. Uh, you know, very few teams could, could make that claim. Um, so that, that was one of the, one of their logros in, in this, in this list of misery. And, and I, it's a, you know, also shows why, a lot of the Chiva fans were, were celebrating these Copa Emekis. You know, they were treating them as of you know, massive accomplishments. And so that's why it, it looked, I say it felt so good when, when the team was winning and they won like Copa MX and then they won Super Copa. And no matter if it was against Veracruz or Querétaro uh, or, yeah. It, yeah, it could have been, it could have been uh, Mazatlan. It, the fans just want to celebrate these wins, so I think I think uh, the team needs a lot of work. So, uh, a ver qué, a ver qué. Let, let's see what happens, because now it's this is a Maori era, you know. That's true. Let's see what we have in store, and and I think him bringing Pelias was a good move. Uh, you know, I, I, as. Just hope he's not as volatile as his dad, where he'll just, you know, I got this. <laughs> he's, he'll have that, you know, he just all of a sudden boot out. Because, you know, his old man brought in some really talented people, and, and he would just give him the stunner, you know? He got, shake, he shake, got in his own way. Would, yeah, well, he, you know, he'll bring someone really good, he'll like shake their hand, and then he'll turn around and then just. Kick him in the crotch, stunner, <laughs> dump beer on them, and that was that. Because I mean, look, look, look who he had. He had uh, Johan Cruyff. Yes, uh, sir. Granted, 
granted, dude was sick, but I mean, if if I have contact with Cruyff, if he can't come, I go to him. Yeah, exactly. That dude was a wealth of knowledge, so I mean, fuck it, send him out, you know? Like, just go over there, dude. We, we're paying this dude money, man. Just fucking. Yeah. Go stay in this house for a couple months, man. Just pick his <laughs> brain, dude. But seriously, man, because, you know, this guy was involved with, with the Ajax and, and the Barcelona, Barcelona and all that, which oh, yeah. which have elements of what Chivas kind of used with under Hans Westerhoff, and they were sort of trying to bring that back. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, uh, stuff didn't work out. Uh, he had Lebrija, who was another, another, and I hope I'm not getting it wrong. In my old age, I, I, uh, my brain, my brain plays tricks on me. But he had one of the masterminds behind that epic Toluca team. And he had him, he had him at Chivas and again, booted him. <laughs> but was, the dude left. I was excited. The dude about left. Actually, actually, he left because he said, um, you know, yeah, it was Lebrija. I, I just, you know, my mind, my mind, Jaime. They were going it, over it, his it, head, right? It throws me. It, it, they were going yeah, over they his were. Head. Yeah. He did. He he kept them out of the loop for the man, for the man you deal with Chicharo. And I, I believe he said, I would have kept them because we had Libertadores final and, mm-hmm. and that would have been massive. And, and yeah, I do. I agree. I agree with that dude. But I mean, that, that was a guy that, I, you know, he knows his stuff. So, uh, so let's see, let's see what happens. This new. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Chivas, Chivas will, uh, face Necaxa on Saturday at 7 PM. Also something worth mentioning. Uh, it's been a year since Vergara died. It was his anniversary on the 15th. And uh, I don't know. Now that he's dead, it makes me feel a little bit different about his era. He did give us a stadium after all. And um, I don't know. I guess he did more good for the team than than damage. But there are definitely some times where I felt that he was just not allowing the people that he employed do their job. He was micromanaging and going over their heads. And I don't like the fact of how he took, you know, how he handled the legends of the of the team, and how he they all basically left through the back door without any getting any recognition. And you gotta take care of your legends, man. Like someone like Ramon Morales deserves a uh, a statue outside the stadium. I mean, that guy was a legend for Chivas. Ramoncito. So and, and even Bofo. <laughs> Bofo. Yeah, I mean the dude came back with his tail tucked between his legs, um, and I do feel that they should have, they should have allowed him some games because he, uh, you know, he was complying. They they had him at Cimarrones or uh, what was that team? Um, geez, I can't remember. He was at Querétaro, and then no, no, no. It was the team that was they were linked up with Chivas. And uh, and Higuera owned them. It was white. It has like a white uniform with a stripe. Uh, 
Play for Querétaro, Atlético San Luis, Coras. There you go, it was Coras. Yeah. It was Coras, and then, uh, so he was at Coras, which was kind of Chivas B team, you know? That's uh-huh. where they were sending the youth. Uh, but, but I mean, big reason he was there was because he was trying to bounce back. And uh, I don't know if he was there when they made the final. Because he did take him to the... They did play a final, and it was Tiburon. And it, and it was crazy how they, how you get a, like, sack Tiburon. Because he had, he wanted to bring in Mauro Camoranesi because of the name, you know. Mm. And because Mauro was, you know, World Cup champion and all that. And, and then the team just sort of never really got to where they did. But, uh, and then Tibu just, and I was expecting a bit more, you know, but same, Tiburon hasn't really managed anything else. But uh, that, that was that. But yeah, man, I, I, I would have, I would have liked to see at least Bofo, you know. You know how we have, uh, even if he would have been uh, as effective as as Hermoso. That's true. Peralta hasn't done anything for Chivas, and uh, it's just been a waste of money. <laughs> for America, it's America's paying him. <laughs> uh, he might get some minutes because we are short on strikers. That's right. This is his chance to this shine right chance, there. Man. This yeah, is... man. He, he... This is it, it, I, really it is, dude. It really is because he's he's been waiting for something like this. If I was him, and I would uh, he's... get my little scoop of metemusil and uh, take some vitamins. Go into training, go in early. Train when when you say training, he needs one of those eighties eighties montage training, he needs, like, like one when of those like Rocky, Rocky moments. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, he's, he's up in the mountains. He let his beard grow. He's, he's got uh, he's he's got chickens running around. He's trying to chase them. And, he's running uh, in snow and, and he's he's he, chucking uh, rocks. If I was him, man, I would I would try to make rain. I would go into training early. I would be I would go after training's over. I would go into the weight training or you know practice free kicks or something. Just show that hey, man, like don't count me out. You need someone to step up. You know, give me the start, coach. But he's probably just counting his his pesos because he's he's getting paid pretty well. Leading into Sunday and putting a bow tie on this repechaje, Tigres will be playing Toluca. Tigres will host Toluca at 5 p.m. Uh, Gignac again complaining on the last game because of some foul or some calls or controversy. He's gonna have to step it up and and get Tigres the victory over Toluca. And then uh, Rayados should have a cakewalk against Puebla, but we never know. Uh, both these games will take place on Sunday. Any any predictions for those games? Okay, which which one's the first one? Tigres Toluca. Tigres. Uh, yeah, I, I go with Tigres too. Although we did talk about it, I may remember which Tigres is going to show up. That's right. You know, is it is it the one that lost to Atlas? Because <laughs> uh, even Toluca, even Toluca would take advantage of that. It's playoff times, though. It's playoff time. So yeah, but you know, 
Gignac is going to have to come up clutch. He is. He, he is, and and that's that's yeah, that's the one thing Jaime was saying. He's the uh, Mister Monday Night, or Mr. I don't know October, how you November. Mr. I guess we're in November. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gotta show up for Leia. Uh but uh, do keep in mind the they did lose to Toluca in the regular season three two. Hmm. And Gignac scored two goals in that game, and they still lost. Mm-hmm. So they have to tighten up their defense. Something to consider. The next one should be pretty simple: Monterrey beating Puebla. Yeah, I mean that game looks like a no contest. However, Monterrey. Did lose to uh, Chivas three one. They're coming off a defeat, and uh, and Puebla has a goal scorer. Yeah, they do. They do. Uh, oh, what was his name? Oh, with the Ormeño. Ormeño. There you go. He's he's been one of the one of the Mexis we've been highlighting here. Santi. So uh, let's see. He's having a great season for Puebla. I believe he's got six goals. And uh, he is Mexican. He's 26 years old. So, uh, like I mentioned uh, earlier, we know we're having a striker crisis. And this is his time to shine. So, these will be the four fixtures that we will have on the weekend. And after that, we will see what the aftermath looks like and who will be linking up with who. I know it's been a quiet night for Chiquis because his Pumas are sitting pretty, just waiting for their opponents. Yeah. I was waiting for you to put a bow tie on this uh, Baronil stuff. And let's get into talking some hair ties. Let's hear it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I thought well, I you were you were you were you... watching the big the big classico, right? Yeah, the super classical man. So yeah, if you oh. wanna, if you wanna go if ahead. You wanna, if you wanna like have like let me have a quick take on this stuff. Let's hear it. So normally I don't you know I don't watch feminine too much, but uh, I sort of got into this uh, this game and I turned it on. Uh, I actually went to Guadalajara once and uh, uh, and went and checked out the Chivas. And took a picture with uh, uh, with their goalkeeper. Uh, what's it, Blanca Felix? Oh, nice. And, uh, so yeah, I, was, I met some of them, and then did you do the hover hand? The... <laughs> no, I actually got a I, I got a good hand this time. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I needed to have a hand. I was actually going to post it, but yes, I met her. She's uh, like if you if you you've met me, so you know I'm about five ten, five nine. She's about maybe three inches shorter than me, and she's the goalkeeper. But she made a, a pretty big mistake and cost the uh, Chivas their uh, their second goal, I believe, and put the America up 2-0, and then the Chivas came back with a pretty nice um, set-piece kick and uh, and made it 2-1, to one, but still lost the game. So it was pretty... Uh, I think Chivas had pretty good possession, um, but uh, America took advantage of their opportunities. And of course that mistake from, from the Chivas goalkeeper 
to to take the win. Uh, I did want to say like one really thing, uh, really quick thing. I know I've talked before. I don't think I've talked before, like about the size of the goal of the of the goals for Femini. They're they're the same size, right? Uh-huh. But how how tall is Memochoa compared to Blanca Felix? I think he's like six foot, six two. So that's a pretty big difference. And then you have like wingspan, and then you have like uh, jumping and quickness ability to be able to you know pretty much jump all the way to the side posts on each side, maybe not to the corner, but if you see if you see if you saw the goal that um, um, she scored, she it was a, it was a little bit above the box, outside of the box. And uh, you know, straight straight on to the goal. When you're, uh, you know, a feminine player, and you you don't you're not going to full you know full put full strength and try to blast it through. You're going to try to put some curve on it, um, just like a male would, and th- so you're not going to blast it right. But you're still impacting the ball with a good amount of force, and the ball is going to bounce and it's going to pretty much go to the same speed. So the, the, the difference between a woman and a man is sort of negligible on that type of set piece. Um, but what is what is different is the goalkeeper's ability to quickly react and jump with strength to be able to um, to block that goal. Like you see in the, in the men's game, you see like the memo or whoever jump and extend themselves to try to block the a shot, and the and the ball goes right past the post or right in the corner, yep. and they can't get it right. If it doesn't go in the, near the post or if it doesn't go in the corner, then the goalkeeper most likely is going to block it, right? Yeah, um, it wasn't the case here. This was like maybe t- three feet, two feet, um, away from the post. Yeah, and she wasn't able to to grab it at all. I mean, she maybe got a little bit close. Uh, it was a very good placed and a good uh, with good pace on the on the kick, but uh, it just uh, there's there's those differences between the men's and the women's game. Uh, but it was a pretty pretty entertaining uh, game. I just wanted to point that sort of interesting thing out. I looked it up. Uh, Blanca Felix is five six. So yeah, yeah. Can you believe that? Like when like how old it, or how tall is uh, Conejo? Is he like five six also? He's about that height. I know maybe a little bit taller. Jorge Campos five, was five six or five five. So I mean, we've had short goalkeepers in the, you know, in the past. Um, but that's a good observation. I totally miss the uh, Clásico Nacional. Um, and I, I do have some criticism when it comes to this kind of stuff. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna call it the Clásico Nacional, if you're gonna hype this up, like this is the Super Bowl for the women's soccer. Why you got to do it on a Monday? Why not do it on a Sunday? Why not do it? Because, I mean, we didn't have regular season games. We didn't have, you know, Ligia. Mexico played on a Saturday and a Tuesday. It would have been a great opportunity for for the Mex- for the female, like, uh, you know, league to get some recognition and, and to get some respect. But you play on a 5 o'clock on a Monday. It's like, yo, that's a work day, man. We ain't, ain't nobody going to watch this. Yeah, maybe there's a contract thing or something like that. But... Or maybe the stadium was booked for something else. But yeah, that's uh... <laughs> Shakira concert or something. <laughs> well, they, they're probably set. Like they probably have the schedule set from the very beginning of the of the 
of a season. Uh huh. So they didn't even maybe they didn't take in consideration that oh the men's team is they're off you know that weekend or whatever. So yeah, I'm all in favor for uh, signing Norma Palafox for for Chivas. You know we could use her in the in the game against Necaxa at this point. <laughs> we need all the help that we can get, man. We don't have a striker, and uh, who knows? I don't know what like the skill level is, or if she could be able to hang out with you know hang with the men. But at this point, man, we we gotta take our as much help as we can. I am looking at the highlights as far as the free kick goes that Chivas scored, and oh, goalkeeper, man, some questionable goalkeeping there. I mean, they, she had it; she just let it go through. And you know, you mentioned the wingspan. That's definitely a real thing. Yeah, and it's the uh, it's the uh, explosiveness. I guess that's a good word, like the explosiveness and the uh, like the mu- muscle density, the muscle strength for for like explosive quickness. Um, that's just that's just really different, and that's what you really need for those types of quick reaction and just an explosive type of jump to be able to reach those and block those. Yeah, uh, I think in that one, just looking at the highlight, it was just reaction time. She had a late reaction to the ball and she ended up, you know, eating up the goal. And I I can't really criticize her that much because again, Hugo Gonzalez had a very similar situation against Korea where it should have been an easy save and he just whoop slipped through. Um, But he has, I, I just don't think he's good enough to be a national goalkeeper. I think for now, Ochoa has shown his worth and, you know, keep him for Qatar. And then from there, we'll see who's next in kin. But as of right now, he's he's the goalkeeper to beat. But uh, we're about an hour in. We've covered everything that we need to cover. You guys have any closing thoughts before we wrap this up? Uh, on the on the Ochoa thing, um, apparently he's uh, he's still able to play some Warzone, stream it on Twitch, and do pretty good for uh, for the national team. Ooh, <laughs> you hear that, Chicharo? Put the phone down. Stop hanging out on Dang. Instagram. <laughs> I did. Did you see a Chicharito? Uh, there was a commercial, right? I skipped over it, but I saw him like sitting on a on a lawn chair. It was a like, Bud Light was- commercial. Yeah, so at least he's doing something to uh, contribute. Yeah, if snap. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Giovanni was doing like Denny's commercials when he was out in LA. So I'm, he did. His shoulders. I'm, I'm glad he that had he's... one. Huh? He 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 had. There was like an ad, and it looked like the cheeseburger was telling him jokes. <laughs> like he's he's holding it and he's laughing, and it's like I, I've never I've never done that, you know, like. I pick up a burger and I start cracking up. This is like, was it, was it telling him some funny stuff? I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, I forget something like that. That that picture is like. Do you remember it? Is he yeah. sitting like in a booth and it's like in the middle of the field or something like that? Oh, it's no, a weird picture, man. It's, it's just a weird picture. <laughs> it circulated around a little bit, like as a joke. I remember that. Well, yeah, because he's by himself. I mean, you would think if there was been someone else, and yeah, they're talking, <laughs> just cracking up. Yeah. 
All right, well, I want to thank our audience for listening every week on the Cantina MX Football Podcast. We will continue next week after we hear the aftermath of all these Ligia, or should I say Repechaje fixtures, and we'll be able to have uh, eight teams left out of these 12. And, uh, yeah, I think we're going to wrap it up for tonight. Thank you.